We begin this very special edition of Sound System FC by heading straight into the Sound System FC newsroom with some breaking news from the Court of Sport Arbitration. Bob Ireland. That's right, Lawrence. I'm not standing outside of the Court of Sport Arbitration, but I do have this news to deliver. Man City will not be banned from the Champions League. That's right. Man City will be able to play in the Champions League next year. Also, we are under the understanding that Pep Guardiola will no longer be allowed to wear streetwear bought across the street from the stadium on the sidelines. Lawrence, back to you. Thank you for that report. And again, just to reiterate, what we've learned today is that Man City will be playing in Champions League, the Sport Court of Arbitration, which I don't think we're calling that properly. <laughs> what, so, okay, let's stop this news bit. But, like, seriously, Bo, when you look at what this means to Man City, Pep called it. They're going to be able to keep playing Champions League and in Europe and making a big splash. Big Oil wins again. Well, yeah, I mean, there was no way they weren't. I mean, I, I said this, uh, I believe, last week. There's, there's no way that FIFA is going to let this happen. There's no way that any governing body is going to get rid of one of their biggest draws over what is a very murky set of rules. And also, yeah, I, it blows my mind. Every time I see Pep, he's dressed like a third grader going to the first day of school with that hot streetwear action from the Man City kiosk out in front of the Etihad. But, Lawrence, let's get to something else that, that I am just over the moon about, and I, I think that me and you are the only two people who are. That's the Copa Poor Mexico. And the team that we adopted making history. Aristeguieta! Gol histórico! Yes, Mazatlan FC's first goal in team history oh, taking man. place, the Copa Por Mexico, and, 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 and Univision bringing that action to us in this past weekend. They're, they're spreading this out. They're going to have it on the Unamas. They're going to have it here and there so that you can not just see it on Tudayene, but you'll see it in a variety of places. And, and I, I'm just I'm enwrapped by the whole thing. I've got so much Copa Por Mexico talk to go through with you here today, Bob. Oh, I mean, look, first of all, I've never been more excited for the lone goal in a 3-1 drubbing, as I was for that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, these games have been exciting. These games have been good. I know it's a tune-up. I know this was, like, this hastily thrown together. All right, we're going to play soccer. I mean, literally, like, I saw this come up on a couple of teams' Instagram accounts before I even saw anything official. Uh, However, yeah, the games have been good, and a lot of surprises, too. Um, I mean, we kind of hinted at the Chivas-Mazalan game. I mean... Mazalan is still getting, getting its sea legs, if you will. Uh, Chivas actually played really well. But that America Cruz Azul game, I, I don't know if any of us were expecting that kind of beatdown. I wasn't uh, expecting from the it. Cementos. To the point that with the machine that I, I just go fix myself a snack and I come back in. It's like four to one when it had been one to one. I was like, what, what was, what's happened here? But uh, Cruz Azul, uh, they got the memo. And it, it happened quickly, and, 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 and they looked good doing it. <laughs> they did. I mean, look, they had a good season last season. Again, this is a tune-up. Everybody's trying to get up to speed, get their fitness where it needs to be 
for the upcoming season because the upcoming league mx season is going to be coming at you quick it's again i've said it's an nba style season teams are going to be playing one game after another and you know cruz azul has actually looked really good and america i mean look there are people right now calling for a new coach which i find interesting I guess we aren't the only two people taking this seriously because they're ready, ready to send uh, Herrera out to uh, kick a can down the street after after a loss in a preseason tournament. Yeah, that's, that's silliness. Uh, but he does abide by the dress code, which uh, as we turn things now to La Liga, <laughs> we talk about the dress code and you bring up Pep, and I, I actually really like that sweatshirt. I mean, I, if I liked Man City, I'd maybe want that sweatshirt. Uh, now that I'm getting into the uh, business of picking up jerseys, and we'll talk about that in a second, I, I do want to turn things to La Liga, where it seems like all of the managers there dress like dads at a birthday party in the late 80s. I mean, like, well, what's with the, the amount of <laughs> polos going on in La Liga? It, it, well, you know, it, the thing is, is that you can't out Simeon Simeon. And uh, Zidane as well also has his outfit. You know, it's kind of funny. It's like even though they don't wear a team uniform, they definitely wear a uniform. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's that's a league where the coaches, much like the Premier League, the coaches have as big a personality as the players. And you look at a team like Atletico Madrid, and I could make an argument that the coach is the most important person in the stadium for Atletico Madrid, no doubt. Well, you want to talk about dressers, you want to talk about Thomas Rongen, and you want to talk about he and Phil Shane on the Atleti Betis call, and this a key moment in that Atletico Madrid victory. 74th minute, launched in, there's Costa, there's a goal! Diego Costa against the grain, is there any other way? No, there's not, Phil. You live and die, by the way. You play your mindset and taking care of the really small opportunities that arise and set pieces is clearly a positive with all the height they have, the aggression. And yes, that's on sides actually. Yeah, on sides actually. That wouldn't have been the third actually, bar yes. overall. <laughs> you were talking about Barcelona, Barcelona calling out Real Madrid. Somebody in Atleti would be calling out. Like, How many goals do we have to lose to VAR today? But yes, he was onside. A, a tremendous goal. Yannick Carrasco with tremendous service, quality, and fitness. As it all <laughs> Lovely came. quality service, definitely. But the best part about it was Diego Costa, who had gotten nutmegged uh, like three matches back, was so key. He'd come on, and it was just I, just, I just love watching Atletico Madrid, BN Sports bringing it home. Betis, they're going to get pink eye soon, and we're talking about Manuel Pellegrini, but soon is not soon enough. Atleti just looking so strong. We're going to do our Champions League preview show uh, in the next 24 hours. People will be able to hear that, and, and we'll talk at length about Atletico Madrid and, and, and Simeone and what like is coming with this wave, but it was it was nice to see this La Liga season. That was the uh, third to final match for uh, these teams. There's just two more. It's it's, it's really literally winding down now and a uh, clear picture as it relates to relegation. Let's... But 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 tell me, watching Atletico Madrid to me is like become the joy in just living life. It is. It's fun. Look, Diego Costa is such an interesting player. He's, I mean, he's like this Rob Deere, Dave Kingman kind of player. It's all or nothing with him. And a couple of matches ago, 
I was ready to just write Diego Costa off, even though he is to me, one of the most dynamic and fun players to watch because when he's bad, he's real bad. You know, we used to have a phrase in uh, television that uh, having one bad guy is like losing two good guys. I mean, it's like when Diego Costa is bad, it's like playing with nine players. But when he's on, he can change a game. And, you know, with Simeon and the way that he's able to manage players, personalities, you know, he's able to get those performances when he needs to. And, I mean, Atletico is fairly consistent. And now, you know, they've gotten that Champions League spot. And when you look at the La Liga table, you know, Sevilla is right there at fourth place. And then going into Europe, you know, in the Europa League, you know, Sociedad and Valencia are both on the outside looking in. I mean, Getafe coming in sixth place, Athletic Bilbao. I mean, we have some really quality teams that are usually supposed to be quality that are not playing very well. That Valencia game the other day, uh, they were a hot mess. That I, They couldn't get it done. And then uh, another one of my, my personal favorites, Majorca, needed to get some points yesterday. They didn't. So now they're in 19th. And, you know, they're going to look like they're going to get relegated. I know your boy Steve Nash is probably not too happy about that. So, I mean, a lot is happening in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of games of La Liga, but we should talk about the team at the top of the table. And you wouldn't know it if you just read the news blurbs about them, but Real Madrid, once again, is not only the best team in La Liga, they're also the best defensive team in La Liga, which does sound odd for a team that's usually known for these big superstar scores, forwards, uh, you know, amazing midfielders. And now really it's the defense and the goaltending that's keeping Madrid at the top of the table. And now, you know, you're starting to see what we've known for years now, right? Gareth Bale and Zidane, not on the same page, will never be on the same page. I, I find it outrageous though that everybody seems to be attacking Bale for covering up his face and pretending he was taking a nap uh, when he wasn't subbed in one of the five substitutions that Real Madrid made and it's like well what do you expect from the guy he's probably the second or third best player on that team and he doesn't get the play because of what seems to be a personality conflict with him and the coach I mean even players on Real Madrid even ones who have made comments in the past just really poking fun at Gareth Bale will say that he's one of the hardest working people in training he's still one of the fastest guys on the pitch for that team he doesn't play at all you know and then you have Jaimes also who I mean basically Zidane said yeah he's not going to play so the question is is where do those two guys go? You know, we get to this offseason, and, and Real Madrid doesn't seem like a team that is at the top of the table. It doesn't seem like a team that is probably the top two or three teams in the world right now because they're such a mess with all these personnel issues. You know, who are they going to bring in? Will they get Mbappé? I, there's no way that's going to happen. I don't see that happening. You know, can they offload Gareth Bale? I don't know to who, you know. Hymas is a little bit different situation. He's a little cheaper. You know, I could see him going to Italy. But, I, you know, Madrid, if they could tune out all of the madness surrounding them, I feel like not only, of course, will they win La Liga, but I think that they're going to beat Man City and continue 
their run in Champions League, but they have to just deal with the issues. Zidane cannot stick his head in the sand and act like nothing is going on. Well, they're going to have to beat Man City by several goals, and the question I've been having as it relates just to Bale... just two to one. They just have to score... They just have to score two goals and win the game. Uh, that's how they would score. But, yeah, you're right. They, they can't win 1-0. They have to score goals. They have to really put on a performance against Man City. Then you start looking at where's the firepower because these matches they've been winning in La Liga have been, you know, Sergio Ramos penalty kick winners. They, you know, a single goal in a game. They're, they're grinding it out and they're winning. I just don't know how that's going to tra- translate to Champions League. But I, too, am scratching my head with the lack of bail field time given that, well, you know, you've got major competitions coming up here and and it's a it's been a battle here pretty much to the end uh you know barcelona's not you know throwing in the towel and, and with a couple more matches i guess still anything could happen um and real madrid in the final match day i believe has uh, Villarreal. so there's some you know legitimate competition still for them to be facing but sometimes i say like winning is the best deodorant and in this case it's almost like in the inverse effect the team is winning it's working and they're doing it without bail on the pitch so why then upset the apple cart and the manager is getting his way and the star player who as you said i mean is this, this is the second third best player on that squad not playing no i mean that's the thing is bail is given no time to really you know sometimes players have a bad game Bale played against Majorca. He wasn't bad. He was good. He just wasn't great. But now he's back on the bench. And Hymas is the same same situation. Like, if he could go to Atletico Madrid, which is another rumor that's out there, like, I think that that would really prove a point to Zidane, which is you've made a real mistake in not at least trying to integrate these other players, whether they go or not in the offseason. Zidane tries to force the hand of management by just putting them on the bench or not even having them travel with the team. And the front office is like, well, we've paid too much money for these guys. We're not going to let them go to China. We're not going to let them walk away. So it's it's a mess. Um, it's, it's a billion-dollar team, though. It's a billion-dollar organization. And... You know, they're going to survive. They're going to win. They're going to win La Liga, but it's just, it doesn't have to be this messy. I mean, they are doing a better job of managing than Barcelona is, but that's not a very high bar. Yeah, honestly. and that's that's what's at the top of the thing. And while we are watching Atletico as the real, you know, thrilling squad to be seeing how are they going to win? What are they going to do? I, I will say, I got to the point where I, I want to celebrate the man in black so much that, that black kit the away kit that they had won in champions league and so i i I just love it because otherwise what do you you like mr peppermint or where's waldo you know in inverse with the you know getting a atleti jersey you know that the red stripes and white stripe i don't know about that there's like something to go around in but the black kit looks amazing i'm hoping it's a real jersey and you get it and it's not like you know an aardvark by a you know strawberry tree or something in the crest but i hope when i get this thing it is actually the real thing and and i'll keep you posted but i I, i'm enthralled with what's happening there and uh that drama has been good drama other good drama in the premier league was watching the uh london derby that is 
Arsenal Tottenham and it, it looked early with a Lacazette a sizzler past Lloris that oh we're gonna see a Mourinho meltdown this is gonna be fun and then Tottenham turned the table Son with a very quick equalizer and then just a little bit later on NBC we heard this had a couple of good chances in the last 10 or 15 minutes or so and it's the lead for Tottenham Alderweireld scores a home goal beautifully taken corner kick the glancing header into the far corner and Tottenham may be going above Arsenal here they've come from a goal down to lead by two goals to one Alderweireld gets it the NBC Sports Network and uh, Tottenham going on to take that thing 2-1 to and Wow, what an incredible game of two very middling squads. I know, it was so exciting. And they are going to go above Arsenal so they can be in ninth place out of 20 teams. I mean, it's I, look, I want to see the Spurs do well. I want to see Arsenal. I mean, these are legacy teams, but God, they are garbage. Ugh, they cannot seem to get it done. And so, yeah, if they play themselves, then I get, well, no, they could tie. But, like, you know, somebody's got to do something, right? Somebody's going to get points out of that game. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is for Spurs or Arsenal. It's like they have the players, but then they say they don't have the players. Um, they have the they have good managers, both of them. I mean, of course, Jose Mourinho is a, is a world-class manager. I just don't know what it's going to take other than patience. I mean, if you look at a team like Manchester United and you see that sometimes you just have to be patient. You have to let your youth players develop and you can't just run out and spend a whole bunch of money uh, on somebody who's going to carry your team because, I mean, we've seen time and time again, especially over the last couple of years, that going out and getting these big players to try to make it to the top of your league table is not necessarily the best play. It it can fizzle just as quickly as it can fire you up. You know, as we're soon to get really in-depth and do a Champions League preview show, that's talking about the current Champions League, but now that we found out, as we alluded to in the very beginning of this program, that uh, Man City is going to be able to participate in the next Champions League, then that fifth spot holds a lot less luster. That's still the Europa League. And currently, as we look at it, Manchester United is knotted into that position. But when you think of, okay, well, what can happen here? You would have, obviously, Liverpool and Man City 1-2. But then what happens? Does Chelsea stay in there? Is Leicester maybe going to get moved out? And We're not... But just a couple oh, more been, matches to play, they, and and that's a it's it's still a question. They they have been Leicester has not been impressive at all. Man U has been impressive. I think they're going to push them out of that spot. Your top four is going to be Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, and uh, Man U. And then you know then you have the battle for Europa, and uh, maybe Tottenham can go on a run and get there. But you know it'll probably be the Blades, the Wolves. And the foxes. So, you know, it, it, it. There was a lot of thinking and a jockeying of positions that we were going to have the wolves maybe make it in the top four. There was this idea that Chelsea wasn't going to get it done and they were going to be shut out of Europe. That Tottenham was going to make a move because they brought in Jose Mourinho. All those things didn't happen. And now it looks like you're going to have a, a, a quality group of teams go and play in Champions League. And I don't mean quality just in the idea that they are good teams, but the brands themselves. 
And uh, I think it bodes well for Champions League. Look, Champions League, even though it on its face is the most important thing because it's the best of the best playing to be the best, you know, sometimes, especially in the United States, they sit behind the Premier League. And so they definitely want those bigger brands. And to have Manchester United and Chelsea in the Champions League, I think bodes well for viewership and interest outside of Europe for the Champions League. Certainly. And, and we can't quite rule Leicester out quite yet. There may be some Vardy magic to uh, take place still. And, uh, you know, it's it's been... A really nice season before the hiatus for the Foxes and Brendan Rodgers obviously really turning the right keys and throwing the right switches on things. Since the restart, not so great, but there's still a couple weeks here and, uh, you know, we'll keep our eye on that. The other thing that we're watching and, and we'll just touch on the concept here, I- I'm finding myself now really feeling for the MLS players and their MLS back as tournament given the heat that they're contending with. These games are starting very early. It looks like they're in a sauna. And it's like a very tricky situation now, as we alluded to on our last program, FC Dallas, and then we heard Nashville being uh, sent home because of positive tests. And, and, and like they're, they're, they're marshalling through. There was a Toronto-DC United game that was delayed a game a day, I should say, because of testing. They, they've, they're doing the best they can to soldier on. I appreciate that. I appreciate getting to see something a little bit different. Um, the, just the, the stark differences here, I guess, is where I'm going with when you watch a field at the Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando on the Disney World property that has cranes above it so they can put a television broadcast together so we can enjoy soccer in America and enjoy some MLS games. And then in France, there's now fans going back into stadiums. Uh, You know, yesterday, PSG in a friendly, in a stadium where they very systematically brought in fans. 5,000 was what the thing was capped at, and... People had masks as they came in. They were socially distanced and where they were sitting. Uh, Just quickly listen to this BN Sports uh, beginning of a broadcast of fans back in a soccer venue just yesterday in France. Kylian Mbappe kicks off the summer program for Paris Saint-Germain back in action for the first time since March. And the second leg of the round of 16 Champions League tie against Borussia Dortmund behind closed doors at the Parc des Princes. We have nearly 5,000 people in the stadium tonight. 4,000 tickets sold. A lot of organisation going into making this game safe amidst the coronavirus pandemic. Paris Saint-Germain in their home shirts. They are unveiling their new away top this evening and Paris Saint-Germain immediately on the attack. Yeah, so it makes me feel thankful, Bo, that MLS is soldiering on and providing soccer in some form in the United States, given all the obstacles. When you see the difference of what's happening in other parts of the world, they're already letting fans back in in a systematic way. That's a safe way, too. But here we're dealing with this in a very different way, and it just it emboldened my feelings toward I'm thankful that the MLS is putting this forward, making the effort. Yeah, Lawrence, the MLS is definitely, uh, I think, doing a great job from a viewer's perspective. You know, I know that it's got to be tough to play in that heat and in what is a very odd situation for them. But because of these game times, these staggered game times, you know, they're getting better exposure to what are a lot of people still at home watching TV. 
and I think it's good. I think it's good for them. And again, like you said, I appreciate the fact that these guys are going out and uh, trying to produce a great product for us, and, and, and it is appreciated. I do appreciate the MLS pushing forward and, and trying to give us something uh, to enjoy soccer here in the United States. Well, a great weekend and a lot of stuff going on all at once. And we'll have more Copa Por Mexico talk in the days ahead. And we'll also have a lot more talk about how the Premier League wraps up, plus La Liga, as we continue with all of these various restarts. And now, as we were just alluding to in France, fans being let back into buildings as a spectator sport has resumed there. Uh, So much to talk about in the weeks ahead. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Lawrence Scott with Bo Byerly. This is Sound System FC. (laughs) 